you know, is he is he really in that top three running back conversation? Is he going to fall off the cliff? And then the NFL says, you know what? He's going to get the Texans twice and the Jaguars at home. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And I'm joined, as always, by producer JT. JT, how are we doing? I'm great. Uh, Regrettably, I haven't been on the internet too much this morning. Um, (laughs) And as we were setting up for the show here, you you, you let me in on a little thing that happened this morning. with some maybe like a national media source that had just like my jaw my uh my jaw dropped when we were uh (laughs) setting up for the show are you serious yeah uh, yeah well happy friday to everybody Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in with us live if you are with us live uh, do us a favor head on over to the youtube version of this live stream if you go to youtube type in broadway sports media you'll find the page and on the top of the page should be this live stream you'll find the live stream version of this show and in the comments section, that's where we can hear from you. So if somebody wouldn't mind going over there and confirming that uh, we can we can uh, open up that line of communication and everybody can hear and see us all right, we will get started today. A lot to talk about, JT, with the NFL schedule release yesterday, all day long leaks coming out, very much a breadcrumb uh, approach from the NFL this year. They kind of were just sprinkling games on us every couple of minutes. And then now we've got the full schedule out. There's a lot to break down. We previewed this on Monday, uh, made sure that people knew we would be breaking down the schedule and just how much I think there is to a schedule and how exactly the games you play factor into the way that, or the order of the games you play rather, factors into how well you do during the season. So we're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about what you alluded to, me bamboozling my way all the way to the top with a satirical tweet that clearly was the perfect um, amount of satire because the best satire is just believable enough to uh, fool some folks. And I certainly fooled a handful. Um, and then we have a couple of Titans news topics and we'll talk a little bit about Titans rookie mini camp, which is tomorrow, Saturday, this weekend, the Titans rookies, both the drafted rookies and the UDFAs, along with a handful of other younger players on the team are going to get some of their first action. Uh, assuming the weather holds up, we got a really nasty, rainy, wet one today in Nashville. Who knows what it'll be like tomorrow? But I tell you this much, as long as it's not thunder, uh, we're going to be out there. So I'll be there tomorrow to get as many uh, thoughts and notes and takeaways from this rookie class. First look at them in person, and we'll break down what there is exactly to even take away from minicamp at the end of the show. And then we'll get out of here for the weekend. We got to start with the warm up today, and it's it's an obvious one. Uh, for those that weren't paying attention to Twitter today, you probably noticed this, or yesterday for that matter. Um, I have done this for two years now. When the Titans schedule comes out, which we've got that, we can go ahead and show that right now. Here is the official schedule for the Titans for 2023. Once the schedules come out, JT, what's the first thing people start to do? It's you start the, to... It's uh, the predictions. Predict. Yeah. W here, that's a loss, probably a win here couple wins here right that's that's what you do everybody it used to be you'd get the you'd get like the the refrigerator magnet or the uh you know like the card would come in the mail and then you'd you'd fill it out or you'd print it out and you'd fill it like that's how i used to do it in my house and and now we've got these online and everybody wants to share what exactly they think their team's record's going to be as well as what games they're going to win and lose and so 
I did my own um, as a joke because I think it's really silly to guess wins and losses in May. Like, I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. If you enjoy filling out wins and losses in May, like have at it. But to take it seriously is foolish because it's May. There's a lot that can change between now and August when we start to see these guys actually get out there, as well as the fact that we don't know anything about these teams. Like you, you see one of the dumbest things and everybody brings this up, right? The dumbest thing that people do when the schedules come out is you, you, you look at strength of schedule based on last year's records, which is not reflective of like when, when you consider what people call strength of schedule preseason, oftentimes a team will go into a year with like the hardest strength of schedule based on last year's records. But then by the end of the year, they had the 19th hardest schedule, turns out, based on just how good the teams they played actually were in that season. So I think it's kind of silly. And I think it's also funny just how much people's opinions differ. Um, the, the people the people that uh, get mad at you because of your schedule prediction, like that just you taking it a little bit too seriously. So let's show what I put out there. I said for the second consecutive year, I am choosing to share. My And this is 100% correct, by the way. My 100% correct. You're welcome to use this as a rubric to grade your own uh, schedule predictions. I put out my prediction for the Titans. I had them going 10-3 and three here. Here are all their wins and losses. And if you're just listening on the podcast version of the show, you're missing this. So go over to YouTube and check out the video version today in particular because we've got a number of things for a little bit of show and tell, some videos as well. So this is what I put out there. It clearly as a joke, if you spend 15 seconds looking at the wins and the losses I've handed out here, it's it's obvious to anybody with a brain that I gave them wins against every decent or good or great team on the on the schedule. And I gave them losses to the worst teams on their schedule. I've got them splitting with the Colts, losing week one to the Saints, losing to the Falcons and the Panthers, uh, losing to Tampa Bay, going one and three in the NFC uh, South and then uh, losing both games against the Texans. And nobody actually thinks this. You would think. And yet. People saw this and they thought it was serious. And, and many, I'm sure, just looked and saw 10 and 7. And then there I got a, a ton of comments. You know, this is ridiculous. Take this down. This is embarrassing. Horrible take that, you know, 7 and 10 ceiling. Clearly, some of these folks did not look at the schedule. Even more wild, some folks looked at what I did, looked at the image I attached to the tweet with the wins and the losses. And they would respond like, yeah, mostly agree. I, I actually, I have them splitting with the Texans, but otherwise I think that that's accurate. And I don't know how to respond. It's like I, the, the people that are thinking I'm dead serious and they think I'm crazy, I can egg on, right? It's like, you know, no, this is proprietary algorithm. These are actually, this is analytics based. This is all accurate. Um, I stand by this. The Texans are just a really good team, man. I don't know what to tell you. Somebody asked me what exactly in the Texans is good. I told them mostly special teams. Um, but th this is something where you, you look at it and some folks actually thought this was serious and I could egg them on. And that's funny, right? Some folks saw it and, and were like, yeah, good take. And I feel bad for those people because I'm, I'm actually making fun of you a little bit. I don't, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but like, if you agree with this, I think you're kind of crazy. Um, now it, it, it is only fair to mention given the Titans record in the past, I don't know, decade, they are one of the teams, if not the team in the NFL, JT, that is most liable to win all the games they're supposed to lose and lose all the games they're supposed to win. So in a satirical way, it's kind of funny, and there's like an element of truth to it. Of these losses I handed out to them, I guarantee you one or two or three of them happen. They'll lose a game to a horrible Texans team or blow a, a game against Bryce Young and the Panthers or you know, absolutely throw a game away against the Colts or the Buccaneers. Like It's going to happen in the season for sure. 
And then almost inevitably, there's going to be a win against a team where they are a five and a half, six and a half, seven and a half point underdog. They'll knock off your Bengals in a, in an upset at home, or they'll go on Monday night and, and uh, beat Tua. You know, Tua goes out in the first quarter and they win against the Dolphins because nobody thought that the Titans of all teams on, on Monday night football in primetime would stand a chance because they're a team that should be in a rebuild, a reset year. So that's going to happen. And so that's that's what this is. It's half a joke and it's half a social experiment. It's it's a commentary on how ridiculous this time of year can be. And JT, among the people that I fooled would be one Mr. Kyle Brandt of NFL Network and Good Morning Football, or at, at least his producers who handed this to him. And I, he's a busy man. I'm Kyle's a, an awesome guy. Uh, I'm sure he seems like a ton of fun on, on TV, at least. And I, I enjoy him as a personality. But Kyle, you got a little bamboozled here because if you had looked at this, I don't think you now. I mean, he doesn't know me from Adam. So if he thinks I'm just some deranged fan that is just this delusional, then I actually can, I can see him finding it believable. Not that this is what will actually happen, but that somebody could actually think this. So let's play the clip this morning. Our guy, Sean McAvoy, a professional quarterback coach actually found this this morning and sent it to me on Twitter. But here's the video on good morning football from this morning of them using my satirical joke of a schedule record prediction as an example of how any fan can convince themselves that their team is going to go 10 and 7. Every single team, every single fan predicts they're going to have 10 wins. Let me show you what I mean. They're everywhere. It's never 9, it's never, it's always 10. This guy even did the color thing over the schedule for the Titans, Easton Freeze. For the second consecutive year, <laughs> I have shared a 10 and 7 prediction for the Titans. Okay, so that's one. Last night or this so that's wild, right? I mean, is that not the it's, the funniest thing? It's so crazy. It's, it's so, so funny. It's so wild. It's so funny. And and I mean, they they got got a little bit, but also I'm I'm not upset. Like I'm happy for them to use it as an example because that was the point of the tweet in the first place. In an almost poetic way, they're accidentally using using something that is a joke, but it's a joke that's so well crafted. Not to throw myself, throw my arm out, patting myself on the back, that it's just believable enough. And so that's the warm up today. Um, Keep your schedule predictions to yourself, or if you have to share them, share them and don't take it too seriously. People are going to disagree with you. And it's May. There's a lot that's going to happen, a lot that's going to change. And during the season, a lot of things that are going to go a whole lot differently than we think that they're going to go. All right, JT, let's get to some serious discussion on this schedule. And we can go back to, we'll have this up most of the day here. Here's the actual schedule. Um, we're going to talk through all of the take, all the initial takeaways here. Um, maybe kind of go game by game, but let's start with some some broad strokes, okay? The the primetime game situation is where people's eyes go first. How many primetime games did your team end up with, right? And the Titans ended up with a whopping two, including a London game. So you can maybe two and a half, two and a quarter. Two, uh, they get three games in a weird standalone time. Um, but it's more than folks expected. I mean, I got a ton of very snarky tweets on... Uh, yesterday, yesterday, or, well, people are listening to this maybe on, on Saturday, but on Thursday morning before the schedule had come out, a lot of snarky tweets, JT, that, oh, the Titans are going to be one of those teams that's one of the teams that can, you know, only get zero, they, they only get zero uh, primetime games this year because of the new rule where a handful of teams are not going to get any. Um, we don't, we're not forcing everybody into primetime anymore. And I never thought that that was really going to be the case. This team is, the NFL doesn't view this team, this brand as that low. But it's certainly fewer than the average. I mean, there's a handful of teams that got six. Six is the maximum in terms of primetime games. The Titans come away with two. So in week nine, they're on Thursday night football against the Packers. Both are away games, by the way. So they have 
no primetime home games. And the one other weird time game they have that's a home game is in London. So whether it's good news or bad news depends on your perspective. But Titans fans that have season tickets are going to attend the games in person. They're all at noon. Every single one is at noon this this year on a Sunday. So um, you won't have to. Well, actually, we don't know. Jaguars in the last week, they, they don't set the time. So if the Titans and the Jaguars are fighting for the division, they could be one of the afternoon or evening games again. But right now, all of the definitive times are at the exact same time. So you don't have to double check or freak out on Sunday morning. If you got tickets, it's noon every single time. If you're going to the game in Nashville, they uh, also got a primetime game at Miami on uh, December 11th in week 14, which is one of three. JT, I don't know if you saw this. We've got three double headers on Monday Night Football this year. I saw that. That's... I'm, a, I'm a fan of. Do you? I... What, what do you think about that? It, it depends how they do it, because like. Last year, like the Monday Night Football, like double header that like mm. the games like in like overlapped a little bit, like right? The ending of one, you can't in do the that. beginning. Of, I've it, like if they figure that out, I have no problem with it, right? Yeah, I agree. But and like I, if it's if it's every if they're overlapping again, like what are we doing? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't need we don't need consecutive games in prime time like that. I'm with you. They need to be they need to or they need to be one after the other. They don't need to be going on at the exact same uh, time. Um. But like, I'm curious how they'll time it. Is it going to be like an NBA slate where it's like you get one at 7:30, and then you get one for like West Coast folks that starts at 9:30 or 10? And it's like if you're in the Central or Eastern time zones, it's like okay, do I stay up and be tired all day tomorrow, or do I go to sleep and miss this game? I'm hoping they do like an earlier afternoon situation. I know they've done it in the past before, but like if they could get like a good 5:30 start time and then like an 8:30 9 start time, that's the that's the bread and butter for me right there. Um, but the Titans will be one of, they'll be a part of one of those double headers. Um, and I suppose that's the clue. I'm the times are probably already out, but the Titans, I think are the, well, now I don't know if they're the first game or the second game, but they are one of two games on that week 14 Monday night in Miami. So both of those games are prime time. And then of course, in week six, they'll be in London hosting the Ravens. Um, outside of that, even the away games, they're all at noon. So there's not going to be any afternoon games. None of that, just three odd timing games uh let's talk about rest differential now jt which is something that i think a lot of people overlook or simply don't understand they don't they don't know that it's a big factor so for those that aren't familiar with the term rest differential it's simply how much more rest over the course of the season or or how much less rest over the course of the season will you have than your opponents so you go through and you say okay the titans have seven days of rest between games between week one and two they have seven okay they're by okay between the bye week they have 14 days you know, coming off of a Thursday night, you've got a 10-day mini-buy. Coming off of Monday night, you've got six days, one less day, right? So you go through and you do all that math for both your team that you're trying to get the rest differential for, as well as for each of their opponents. So if you're watching on YouTube, here is the graph, the, the charting I did yesterday on the Titans rest differential. And JT, they got a really, really lucky draw. The NFL did them a pretty significant favor with the rest situation. Their rest differential is a plus 11 meaning over the course of 17 games, they are going to have 11 extra days of rest in total than their opponents. And they only have one such game or one game rather in their schedule where they're the underdog coming into a game in terms of rest. And that's going to be in week. Uh, let's see the Houston. The first Houston game is, is week 15. So in week 15, they will be, I believe on the road. Yeah, they'll be on the road in Houston and they will be uh, coming off of a Monday night football game. So they will be a, um, 
a six six days of rest team coming into a game against a Houston team that had a full seven days of rest. But then they have four games where they have the advantage. So at Tampa Bay, they have a three-day rest advantage because they're coming off of their Thursday night game. On their Thursday night game against Pittsburgh, they don't have a dis- disadvantage. Both teams are going to be coming off of four days rest. So both underrested, but equally so. Uh, the week before that, they're going to host Atlanta off of their own bye. So they'll have a seven-day rest advantage, which is how that typically works when you're coming off of the bye. I will say in terms of teams you're looking the team you want after your bye, preferably is the hardest team on your schedule, right? You want the team that you can be the most rested and the most prepared for um, with, with your bye and have the, the biggest edge in terms of preparation time and rest time. Atlanta's not exactly that. So not great for them in that regard. But Atlanta is a team that I think could be sneaky dangerous this year. So it may end up proving, you know, by week four or five, you're looking at that and you're like, oh, I'm actually kind of glad they get a rest before Atlanta. Um, They also the last the last two rest advantage games they have are in week three and week four against both of the Ohio teams. They've got a one day rest advantage against both Cleveland in week three on the road and then at home hosting your Cincinnati Bengals, JT, because both Cleveland and Cincinnati will be coming off of. Monday night football appearances. So they'll have six days of rest to the Titans seven. So all of that out of the way, that is a very, very, very good, good thing. Um, I, there will be usually Warren Sharp puts out a full um, chart of, of every team's rest differential and then just sees who has the, the most and the least advantage based on rest. I'm not sure where the Titans fall, but typically when you're in the double digits on either side of the spectrum, you are in the outlier percentile. So I would not be shocked if the Titans are a top five, top three team in terms of rest differential. They really got super, super lucky that they caught no teams coming off of their buy. So they're not facing a single team this year that is going to be rested off of a buy, off, not even off of a mini buy. Um, every single team they play this year is going to be coming off of seven days of rest or fewer, excuse me, eight days of rest or fewer. Um, Miami and Tennessee both have eight days of rest going into a Monday night football game. They um, also, in the past couple of years, just for perspective, if people are probably wondering, well, how they fared in the past? I know that last year they had a negative rest differential. They faced at least one team off of their bye. And the year before that, they had a horrendous rest differential that was something like negative 11, somewhere in that negative eight or something like that. They faced two teams that year coming off of their bye, which is a brutal, brutal break. Let's move on to looking at the divisional games, JT. We can pull um, we can pull back up the the main schedule real quick if you don't mind. And th- the first thing that pops out is backloaded heavily, which is kind of different for this team based on recent years. Um, we've had we've had schedules the past couple of seasons where they've caught the Colts in particular very early on in the process, and it really depends on your situation as a team as well as the situation of your opponent. Um, as to whether or not you want to catch them early or late. So, for example, to step away from the divisional game um, perspective here, the Saints week one. Yeah, it's a road game. Not, you know, maybe not ideal to be on the road week one, but, you know, half the teams have to do it. In terms of where you could have caught the Saints on your schedule, week one is the best possible situation because that is a team that has undergone a significant amount of change, in particular at the quarterback position. They've got a quarterback in Derek Carr who is talented, no, no doubt, but he's in a brand new system. And even the most talented quarterbacks in the past couple of years that have changed teams, how have they done out of the gate? How how did Tom Brady do before the bye in that first year in Tampa Bay? They were 700 at, at the bye, and then they didn't lose a game and won the Super Bowl. So there's always a incubation period. Don't get me started on Russell Wilson last year. I mean, he got better, but the better is a very relative term. He was at his worst 
out of the gate. There was no mirage. It was, holy crap, this guy just lost to his former team in week one of Monday Night Football. The Seahawks just beat Russell Wilson and the Broncos, who had a win total of like nine and a half or something. So the odds of him being comfortable on that system for that offense to be humming on all cylinders, really low. That is also a team that has a number of, I think, significant rookies playing in big roles, uh, as w- in particular on the defensive side of the ball. So there's a lot of reasons why you can look at that as a really, really nice situation for um, (laughs) Logan in the comments over here making me laugh, asking if the the Titans are going to lose to the Texan Texans. We'll talk about that in a second, Logan. Um, But the Texan Texans are one of the the hardest teams on this schedule for sure. Uh, What were we talking about? Yeah. So where you could catch the Saints, (laughs) really, really good spot. In terms of the divisional opponents this year, I think with the Jaguars, it's kind of a wash, right? Because it's a team that, yeah, they're an ascendant team, but they're kind of established. They've got a lot of turnover, you know, uh, from last season, a lot of guys that have hung around. So I think catching them wherever you catch them is is going to be a difficult draw no matter what. With the Colts and the Texans, if they're both going to be starting their rookie quarterbacks and Anthony Richardson and CJ Stroud, one would assume that you would prefer to have them early, right? Because they're probably going to, unless they're one of those Zach Wilson types or, you know, somebody that starts out really well and then it kind of falls apart. Um, These guys, we expect to be good eventually. And so they're probably going to have some, some rough games in the first half of the schedule, maybe their first full year. But typically we see rookie quarterbacks that put it together and have a nice first season really start to hum in the back half of the schedule. The Titans didn't get an awesome break in that regard with the, those two divisional uh, matchups. They play the Colts in week five, which is good. Yeah, that'd be Anthony Richardson's 13, 14, 15, 16, 17th ever start since graduating high school. So not exactly a ton of experience there. And then they catch him again in Nissan Stadium at home this time in week 13. By then, you'd probably imagine those two games will be very different compositions in terms of how the teams are trending and how the you know the young players on both teams are starting to look at that point. With the Texans, this is really well, let's let's this is infuriating. So let me let me do the Jaguars first. They got the Jaguars late in the schedule. And I, for one, am a huge fan of this, JT. I don't know if you agree, but I think that the NFL should always take the two presumed you know, the, the, the presumed top two teams in a division and try to push their divisional matchups as late in the schedule as possible, just because it makes for more, more compelling, dramatic TV, right? I mean, yeah, if you look at just like interconference, like the Bengals and Chiefs putting them the last week, you can't get yep. any more dramatic than that. Mm-hmm. You saw last year, the Jaguars playing the Titans on the last game of the year. Mm-hmm. Also super dramatic. So and, and, I, I feel like they are going to do that again. You know, like mm-hmm. they think that these two teams could be very close vying for that, that division title come week 17. And, um, just makes for more dramatics. It, it makes for absolutely more fireworks. And I, I think any reasonable person, even if they're down on the Titans, if you told them, okay, the Jaguars actually don't run away with the division, the guess from it, the average person is going to be, okay, so the Titans probably pressed them for it. You know, Tannehill stuck around and they were just good enough in a bad division to, you know, win eight, nine, 10 games. And then it came down to the wire. The Titans catch the Jaguars in Jacksonville in week 11. That's November 19th which is, I think, a a good timing for the away game, not the best possible timing. You know, when you have to go down to Florida where it's really hot and sticky and muggy, you'd prefer for it to be later in the season. You know, mid to late November, it should be decent weather down there. And then at home, they catch the Jaguars in the final week of the season on either January 6th or 7th based on uh, how that schedule breaks down in week 18. So 
certainly setting up to be the the best possible outcome. Titans fans know that for years and years and years, um, I said that was really dramatic. Let me walk that back. For a couple of years recently, they they constantly were giving the NFL that is were giving the Titans the Texans in the last week. And this was post them being any good. So it, it was always infuriating um, from a scheduling standpoint and also super underwhelming when you got there. And it's like, oh, yay, the four and 12 Texans are trying to keep the, you know, 11 and five Titans from winning the AFC. Oh, it's going to be a firework show. So super dramatic. Um, they do, unfortunately, have the Texans in two of their final four games, which in terms of dramatics, if CJ Stroud's going to, you know, put it together, start to hit his stride, that's the time of the year you'd expect it. So you may make for the best possible games against the Texans by that point. You also have the the point here of, of making this schedule like this is, is, is a mistake that the NFL seemingly constantly makes now. How many times in the past couple of years, JT, have we had divisional matchups that are either one one game separated, so like divisional game, other game, divisional game, twice in three weeks. Or we've had a couple of instances where it's like, I know in particular the Browns, I think, got to play the Steelers twice in a row a year or two ago where they went Steelers by Steelers. And it's like, what are, what are we doing? Well, that's, first of all, nobody wants to watch that matchup twice in a row. I mean, like, cool, but like spread it out. It's a long season. Second of all, divisional games mean more. They're important. How about we maybe space those out a little bit so that you avoid, oh, the, you know, the Titans were, you know, seven and seven and two, and then they lost Ryan Tannehill with a sprained ankle for three weeks. And in those three weeks, they caught the Texans twice. And that's why the Texans win the division, right? Like that kind of thing can be avoided if you just spread them out a little bit, right? And so with the Colts, they did a good job week five and 13 with the Jaguars week 11, week 17. Cool. With the Texans in week 15 Jaguars and 18 because the Texans are week 15 and then the Titans host the Seahawks in week 16 and then they go to Houston in week 17 infuriating that they put it at the end of the schedule even more infuriating that they put them in uh, almost back to back uh, portions here it's very very frustrating so that that's my my rant on that NFL please I'm begging you stop doing this to all divisional matchups it's really it's really bad in terms of where the divisional matchups fall I, I think it's also important to, to note that it's super backloaded, right? Which is what you want. The, the Titans have one, two, three, four, four of their last six games and five of their last eight are divisional matchups, right? The only non-divisional teams they play in the last eight weeks, roughly the last half of the schedule are the Panthers, Dolphins, and Seahawks. That's it. The rest are divisional matchups. You got to love that. I think just any fan, you, that is how you want it to be. You want it to, you want the, the brass tacks to be come down to here in the last half of the season and, and not wasted early on. And that's what the Titans are going to get. So they're, I mean, they end the last two games are divisional games. Three of the last four are divisional games. It should be really exciting. And I think that, that is a good thing. Um, let's talk about some other little tid. Oh, oh, last, last thing on divisional games, by the way. Breaking down the primetime games, JT, I don't know if you have a drink, but pour a little bit of it out if you do on your on your desk for the Colts and the Texans, who unfortunately are two of the four teams this year that got no primetime slots. We will not be seeing any of the Colts or the Texans in primetime, we think. Now, the NFL is, is promoting a more flexible schedule this year, so if either of these two teams with their young quarterbacks starts to put it together, I'm sure that they will be rewarded by that. And if Anthony Richardson is electric by week 16, you know, flex that bad boy into Monday night, flex it into, you know, Sunday night. Let's put it in the afternoon. Let's have more eyeballs on this guy. 
but they're definitely in a prove it situation there with the league and the schedule slash script makers in the NFL. The Titans got two and then the Jaguars kind of surprised by this JT. I know that I am only getting three divisional, uh, or, excuse me, three uh, primetime games, despite all of the media slobbering that has gone on about the Trevor. I mean, and rightfully so Trevor Lawrence is, is a, an ascendant star quarterback in the AFC looks like a, a new part of the establishment in terms of stud quarterbacks. Usually the NFL rewards that with a lot of primetime airtime, but maybe it's just proof that the AFC South remains the island of, of small market misfit toys because they only gave them three slots. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to put the AFC South in some of these, especially like given the, the Titan schedule, like there's not a lot of like outside of the divisional games, there's not a lot of marquee matchups here. And like for the Titans, uh, yeah, but for the Jaguars, I mean, they're playing that first place schedule. Jaguars Chiefs would be a great primetime game. Jaguars Bills should be a good primetime game, you know? They're gonna they're gonna be against the Ravens and the Steelers. Like those are definitely prime time. I I just thought they'd give them four or five when the the top end of the spectrum is getting six prime time games. Then again, I mean you have like the AFC South where like they they were like the last to get like leaks yesterday because yes. like everybody was like oh let's look at all these like sexy matchups and then like none of the AFC South leaked because it's like it'll come out at eight o'clock. <laughs> like, it's ha- know, it's half the league. Doing. It's half the league. Like okay, we can only release a couple of them. Let's do the ones people care about, and the AFC South falls to the bottom of that heap. But then also you've got teams like the tie. And I don't know the answer to this JT. Uh, I'm curious who like. When these leaks come out, how much of it is coming from the league office or the schedule makers? And how much of it is, I mean, these teams and their PR departments, like internally in the building, they know what the schedule is, at least the day of, I think for a couple of days. And then like, I, you know, I get the email from the Titans 10 minutes before it actually comes out tomorrow with the actual schedule, actual schedule. They've been sitting on this. So is it teams that are just, you know, maybe the like the Vikings had their whole schedule leak at like noon yesterday, seven hours ahead of time. Is that the Vikings having a guy inside that just does not care and is just leaking out to reporters early and the reporters know they don't care. So they're throwing it out there because everyone knows what the Titans and their Gestapo PR, you know, uh, approach to things, which is their prerogative. I'm you know, not complaining. Um, got to, you know, got to play nice, but they are among the more difficult teams to get any information from, to have an inside source. And if that inside source does exist, getting them to say anything at the, at the fear of losing their job or their life, it's it's a situation where the Titans, as of like two thirty yesterday, hadn't had a single leaked game. They 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 had announced the London games yesterday. The league had formally announced those, but beyond that, there was a spreadsheet that was really popular at NFL leaks or, or schedule leaks on Twitter, where he was constantly filling it in. And it was just the Titans column was sad all day long because these there were so many colors and and words on these other columns, and the Titans was just blank. And the first game that like leaked per se was like the saints game because it was like a process of elimination. It's it like, okay, everybody just, else's yeah. everybody else's week one has basically been leaked except the saints. So we can infer right. that the Titans are playing the saints week one, right? The first Titans leaked game that we weren't supposed to know about, but knew about didn't come from a leak. It, it came from us just doing mental math. Um, so that's, it's frustrating. It's annoying if you're trying to cover the team, but um, you know, we, we know the schedule now. So, that is cool. A couple other just tidbits, superlatives, and notes, some takeaways, JT, that I had. And if you had any thinking about the schedule, looking at the schedule, or for that matter, anybody else's schedule around the league that stood out to you, we can talk about that here. Um, 
one thing that stands out to me from a fantasy perspective is just when you thought Derrick Henry's ADP might be dropped, you know, maybe this, maybe this is the year that Derrick Henry falls into the back half of the first round. Maybe his average draft position is like nine, 10, 11. You know, is he, is he really in that top three running back conversation? Is he going to fall off the cliff? And then the NFL says, you know what? He's going to get the Texans twice and the Jaguars at home in three of the last four games. And it's like, well, uh, here we go again, right? There's, there's no way you can avoid that potential playoff firepower from Derrick Henry, who in his last four games against the Texans has like a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns or something. That's me making up a number, but I know for a fact, it's kind of close to that. It's in that ballpark. I mean, um, he's so, averaged like 22 and a half fantasy points every time he plays the the Texans. So it's, like, a, it's an automatic 20 bomb, maybe a 30 bomb when he plays now the that, Texans. Now that's really interesting because like... In week one 80, and week three it, of it, most people's playoffs, right? It's yeah. going to be playoff fantasy. It, it, it's hard to not take him, but then of course you have to draft well to get to that point, you know? It's true, um, it's true. Could be a, like... He if, may, if he you may have be a, a thing... If you have a team that like... That takes Derrick Henry and then just and like... Tank they tank could be a good trade target. To, if you're to in a, into. if you're in a non-redraft league and you're a crappy team this year, but you haven't have Derrick Henry, you could reset your entire franchise's trajectory. You could change yep. the next five years of your life by selling that man in week 13 when he's got the last five games and he's got, go Texas get yourself Caleb Williams next year. Or, I mean, no, go get yourself Marvin Harrison. Yeah, sure. Go, for for Derrick Henry, for loaning Derrick Henry for a, for a championship team, go get yourself Marvin Harrison. Mm -hmm. oh, that's a win. That sounds like a win-win trade for both sides there. So that's uh hitting. No, Logan, I'm not hitting a vape. This is a, this is a pen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that 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 is one of the things that definitely stood out to me. Um, also, th by the way, in in the in the middle of the two Texans games is the Seahawks game. I don't know JT if you were familiar with the Seahawks defense last year, um, but it it was a constant race between the Seahawks and the Lions as to who had the worst defense, and they kind of addressed it this year, but with a lot of young guys. So like, if their run defense is even reminiscent of last year, that three game stretch might be it may end up being the greatest three game stretch in the history of running backs in the NFL. Like it sets up. It is just finger looking good. I'm sure Derrick Henry, he's got those big old eyes yesterday evening when he saw when he saw that um, and how that's going to break for him if he can just stay healthy and hit his stride in December like he typically does. Another thing is Titans got pretty lucky this year in terms of travel. Now, it helps the two divisions that they're playing in full are the um, the NFC South, which are all relatively in this southeast region. And then the AFC North, which are, you know, just north of us here in Nashville. So that part helped, but also who they had home and who they had away helped as well. Getting both of the big West Coast teams on their schedule as home games in the Chargers week two, their home opener. And then the Seahawks in week 16 is a big deal. Don't have to travel cross country. That takes a toll on the body. That's a, there's some jet lag involved there. A lot of time zone changes. They do have one massive time zone, time zone shift in the London game, but they did elect to take their bye following that game. Actually, my dad texted me yesterday before the schedule came out asking where the Titans buy would be. And I'm like, you know, they, they can choose to have that buy after the London game. That's a choice given to all the international teams that, that are forced to go play international games so that your body can readjust. You know, a lot of these teams do their best to get in and get out as fast as possible and try to avoid getting that circadian rhythm messed up, but it's just difficult. And my dad was, was thinking about that yesterday. Cause he goes, yeah, I hope I sure hope they choose to take it because he went, I think he was in London a week or two ago for business. And he's like, I'm still feeling weird 
from it. Now, he was there for a couple of days. They'll probably be there for 24, 48 hours. But still, clearly these teams, I'm not sure there's been an example of a team passing up that free that free guaranteed buy. I can't, I can't think of one off the top of my head. And for good reason. They go and they learn like, yeah, that takes a toll on you as a team. You got to get a lot of guys over there. You got to, you know, lug all that, all that uh, equipment overseas. There's a lot involved. It's a massive operation and it takes a lot out of you. So they're going to have that buy to recover. But outside of that, outside of the week six London travel, they don't leave the central time zone or the Eastern time zone the rest of the year. I mean, in the last month of their schedule, they're at home for everything except for having to go to Houston, which is a, a, a hop and a, a leap across state borders. It's I don't even know the, the flight time is like what an hour and a half or something like that. It can't be a long, a long flight at all. So that is a, an advantageous thing for them that I noticed. Um, JT, just briefly, let's talk about by location. I know a lot of people were saying maybe the Titans should be one of those teams that um, foregoes the guaranteed buy to roll the dice on getting a buy later in the season. The earliest you can get a buy is week six. The latest, I think, is week 14. Um, two years ago, they had 14 and it was very helpful. They, they desperately, it was, you know, that was one of the injury hell years where they needed all the break they could get late in the year. And that allowed them to recover a little bit. Last year, they had it in week six, the earliest you could have it. And unfortunately, they needed it then as well because they had already gotten so banged up um, in the first month or or so of the season. Um, I was listening to Braden Gall and Zach Lyons, both buddies of ours, both friends of the show, on a football show here on the 440 Podcast Network yesterday. And they were talking about how a lot of players and, and folks say, you know, they push back on this idea that you need a buy later in the season. Later buys are better. Like that's the, that's the service level narrative. They were pushing back on that a little bit saying, you know, a lot of players will tell you where a buy falls doesn't matter until it does. And the Titans are an example of that in the past two years, right? Two years ago, they had it in week 14 and they really needed it at that moment. Last year they had it in week six and they really needed it in that moment. Those are the two ends of the spectrum. They get it on the very front end of the spectrum this year in week seven, but there is some truth to the idea that where your buy falls is not a guarantee of an advantage or a disadvantage. You know, you may need it early on in the season for one reason or another. But in my opinion, JT, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, I still think that a later buy is better just because if you're playing the odds, playing the numbers, you are more likely to be the most banged up as a team later in the season than you are early on in the season. That's just the way that, you know, attrition works. That's the way that constantly getting beaten to a pulp every Sunday for two months um, affects your body differently than doing it for three weeks. You're going to get beaten down. So I I do think it is not the greatest thing in the world that they have that buy in week seven. It's necessary because of the London travel, but it could hurt them when they have to go, you know, almost three consecutive months before they even reach the postseason. Should they be a a playoff team this year without a single break? Yeah. I mean, you would like it maybe right before like a very big divisional matchup. Like if in a perfect world, like the, where the bucks game is like switch the bucks and like week 10 by like, that would be um, really nice. Yeah. You know, like having playing the bucks after a London game probably is the perfect scenario. And then having your buy right before you play the Jaguars for the first time going on the road, probably where you want it. But like, the the London travel is so big that they couldn't help but pass it up. Yeah, no, it's that's absolutely it's understandable and it, it makes sense. 
Uh, the last thing here, actually, second to last thing before we talk about the Titans and their schedule release video yesterday, which was fantastic. Um, our, our guy, Alan Bell, another friend of the show over at CBS Sportsline, put out the opening lines, the opening spreads for every Titans game this season. We're big betters. We make a lot of money on this show. And, uh, we, you know, so we're interested in this. And so it's worth mentioning that this year, of course, the Titans are perceived by Vegas and by the general public as a team that is in in flux at the very least. A big question mark can't really be trusted. I think last I checked, their win total was seven and a half. I think so. The Vegas thinks they're a seven or eight win team, which makes a lot of sense for them because I think the general perspective is one of two things. Either this team's going to be really mid, they're going to win seven, eight, nine games, no more, no less, or they are going to be a team that I have no, like people are just like, I have no idea. I don't want to touch them with a 10 foot pole. They could win 10 games. They could win four games. I don't know. Um, and so when we look at who they're favored and not favored against one sentiment that I have to shoot down a little bit here, JT, and this is kind of funny. Um, some folks kind of outed themselves a little bit online yesterday for not understanding how gambling works, not understanding how odds work. You look at the Titans schedule that Alan Bell tweeted over at at Alan Bell 247 on Twitter and their first six games before their buy in week seven. They're the underdog in all three. They are three and a half point dogs at the Saints, three and a half dogs uh, versus the Chargers, four and a half against the Browns, four and a half against the Bengals, which is interesting, by the way, but that's home and away for you. Um, uh, One point against the Colts and five and a half point underdogs against the Ravens in London. And a lot of people were looking at that and saying, oh, so the Titans are, you know, Vegas thinks they're going to lose their first six games. It's not, it's not how that works. This like, these are implied odds, right? So actually the implied odds here, it's, it's, these are probabilities, not if you're favored, Vegas thinks you're going to win. If you're, if you're an underdog, Vegas thinks you're going to lose. No, it's, it's percentages. It's Vegas saying, we think that this team has a 65% chance, a 73% chance, an 82% chance. So the implied odds here, somebody did the math on Twitter. It's something like 2.83 or something. So Vegas thinks they're going to win um, a little bit like a little bit less than they're going to they're going to win less than they lose. Um, they're projected to win like two and a half of their first six games. Um, they are only favored on these opening lines um, hosting the Falcons off of the bye, which they're only a one point dog against the Falcons off of the bye. That's craziness to me. But Vegas is high on Atlanta. I get it. I understand. Um, they're one point. Uh, one point dogs in Tampa Bay against the Bucks. Also, kind of strange, but it's an away game. I suppose you mean favorites, right? One point favorites. Oh, yes, sorry, one point favorites. Thank you. And then they are one point favorites again uh, against the Panthers at uh, at home. They're two point favorites against the Colts at home, and then they're favorites both games against the Texans. Three point favorites at home and one point favorites on the road. Outside of that, I think that's one, two, three, four, five, six games they're favored in. Set. Uh, uh, 11 that they are underdogs in did any of these lines stand out to you do they stick out to you jt at first glance obviously these will change a lot but at first glance anything that you're like that seems really suspect to me uh yeah and of course we do the best bet gauntlet um can't and we we are allowed to we take the best lines of the week um, so am I allowed to take the Titans plus three and a half right now for, for week one? And then you get, and then we'll just go to your pick since I lost okay. last year. No, I'll I take, don't. I'll lock I don't, it in right now. Plus, no, Titans I, plus three and a half, uh, at the saints. That'll be my first pick week one. And then you can go once, uh, uh yeah, once, right. once we get there. Right. Well, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll your, lock in this line right now. It's your first pick. Cause you did, I did beat you last year. You are the, you are the loser. So you get the first pick in week we one. Have to, we don't have to 
I'm not. I'm not trying to use strong words. I'm just saying that I, I beat you down in the street like a, like a dog last yeah, year. I don't, I don't. Um, so <laughs> you made a valiant comeback effort at the end. You do get the first pick, though. I will say, you, you started that argument with we get to lock in the best lines of the week. And last I checked, it's May twelfth, and this game does not begin until uh, September tenth. Which is yeah, roughly right. four. It's just it's, just it's under just, four it's, months. It's from one now. week away. May May tenth, June fifteenth, July eighteenth, August calendar man twentieth, and then uh, September tenth. There you go. go. Those, the, are, those are the next five the week. weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's it is it is not something you can lock in now. But I'm no, with you oh, for the competition. No, it, in your <laughs> personal life, please go bet that. Like I, I'm going to that that number giving the Titans the field goal and the hook at the Saints in Week One craziness to me craziness i agree um, jt before um, we anything, sorry, else, anything else yeah and then anything else i mean really interesting the that they, stands out to me i mean it's really interesting that they uh and of course um they besides well i guess they go to the bucks but having having them as three and a half point dogs at the saints and then only a point favorite against the rest of the nfc south yeah. really really interesting to me um over a touchdown spread at the Dolphins. I mean, that game's so far out, but like, oh my goodness, I hadn't even looked at that. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I don't. It's, agree it's with that over at all. a touchdown. I mean, we're so far out from that. Um, that but everything change. else, I mean, plus five and a half. You going to, you're going to London. That's that's always a toss up game. Plus four and a half at the Browns. I mean, assuming Deshaun figures it out, but like, how how are they? How are they more? Is he have it figured out how are they more dogs? Three? And I, I, yeah, I'm not sure, but like, yeah. I get that they're home against the chargers, but how are they less dogs against the chargers than the Browns? I'm that, with that's, you. that's I, another I, one. That's a little interesting to me, but of course, I don't see it. like you said, we are what five four, months, just under, oh, just under four months away, four months away. So like everything's going to change. But like, if you had to tell me objectively today, like mm -hmm. where, where these teams stand, that's where my head's at. Um, Kenneth points out something that I vehemently disagree with here, but clearly there are two sides of the coin. So I'm not going to discredit what he's saying. It just depends on what your preference is. So Kenneth, who we appreciate um, listening mentions that it's an utterly miserable season for people wanting to go to Nissan stadium, blazing hot games in September, freezing in December, virtually nothing in October and in early November. That's not really true. I mean, my, my point and why I thought this was great actually for people going to Nissan stadium is they only have three games or excuse me. They only have two games in, in Tennessee at home before, um, before week eight, October 29th, before the end of October. So while it's true that it's November and well, they have, that's the part that's not true. Really. They have an October game, late October. And then, um, well, you're right. Then it's three row games. You're totally right. You're totally right. Kenneth. That part is right. I disagree with the miserable, um, sentiment though. I, I much prefer the cold games and not, I mean, anyone that's been to a game in Nissan Stadium in like a preseason game, for example, during the day, it is a nightmare. You are you're, those plastic seats. You just your butt and your back sweat and you stuck to, you stuck to the seat. It's miserable. You're having like windshield wipers for your eyes because you're just sweating. You get in the lower bowl and there's no wind. It cuts off all the wind. So it's an it's a nightmare. I would always, always prefer to go because I've been to games in the triple digits at Nissan Stadium and I've been to games in the single digits at Nissan Stadium. 10 times out of 10, I'm going to the game where I'm having to put on my ski gear um, before I go to the crazy hot games because you can, I mean, you can bundle up 
forever. There's essentially no limit to how much you can bundle and warm yourself. You can only get so naked legally at a, at Nissan <laughs> Stadium. You know, you you can't you can't regulate your body temperature any further than taking off the maximum amount of clothes. What is your opinion on this? Would you prefer hotter than comfortable or colder than comfortable? I mean, yeah, I mean, you can talk about climate change all you want, but like um <laughs> like it feels like last year in early December, of course you had that Houston Texans game where it was just like record low temperatures, but like December yeah. seven, like Christmas Eve last year was like really the point where it started to get cold. So like December third and December 17th, I feel like you're, you're fine. You know, JT, you know, I'm a weather nerd. So I, I know this for a fact, the average temperature in December in, in Nashville historically is like 57 degrees or something. So yeah, there's probably with, with, um, you know, one, two, three, four, five with five games, November 26th or later, there's going to be one or two in there where it's like in the twenties or thirties, there may even be a crazy cold snap and you get one of those single digit games. But odds are most of those are going to be like, you know, jeans and a, and a jacket. And it's, you know, maybe not even going to need gloves really. So to not discredit what Kenneth said, it's a great situation. If you're a Titans season ticket holder and you hate the heat. It's a horrible situation for you. If you're like Kenneth and you're a season ticket holder and you hate the cold. So that's really how it broke down this season. You've got, you've got, six. well, he also doesn't like the heat either. It sounds like he wants all of his games between November and November and a, a nice 55 degrees. He wants all seven of the, and <laughs> it's an idealist. I can, I can yeah. respect that. Uh, Logan, Logan said he came in expecting to hear Titan scheduling and is leaving hearing about getting naked at a game and global warming. That's what we do here. Logan um, read podcast. That's the hot read podcast. Do you, do you want to let's move on. And before we get to the handful of Titans news subjects, yeah. let's let's, we got to talk about the Titans schedule release video, which is kind of taken the world by storm here. We have the video that I just, I it's, it's rewatchable ad infinitum. You could watch it a million times. So let's just watch it. We have it here. Uh -oh. If it's going to play. Let me, let me, you, you talk for a second. Okay. Let me, let me re-add it. I, I will, I will vamp for a second while you re-add that. Um, but the Titans, so if you're familiar with TikTok or Instagram, okay, here we go. You'll, you'll St. Louis Rams. Ask the folks on Broadway to name based on, oh. so let's pause it real quick. Right yeah. I should have, I should have set this up. They, they went on Broadway, the Titan social media team, and they asked folks clearly targeting folks that aren't huge, uh, huge NFL fans to try to name the opponents that the Titans have this year based on just looking at their logo. So they're showing these folks logos and they're giving their best guess uh, as to who they're playing. All right, now we can play the video. St. Louis Rams. Yeah. Oh. Latin McQueen. Uh, no. <laughs> Latin McQueen. It's Latin McQueen. The Chargers. Oh, that's just the football logo. The Browns. The Boston Bobcats. No idea. No idea. This this one. This one. Is bad. Does it bother you? It bothers me a lot. The Boston Bobcats. There, there are some people who. First of all, do Bobcats have stripes? Definitely not. Right. There's definitely spotted animals. So. I. It's more the Boston for me because, like Boston, it's like I feel like. 
you should even know the non, Patriots. Even even if a non sports person right. knows like a Boston meathead, like Sam Adams drinking donkeys run. Like right, he's a Pats he loves, fan. He, he love he loves his Pats. He loves the Tom Brady. He loves the Red Red Sox. Like that that uh-huh. one is just the one that gets me the, every single time. No, I'm with you. Whole gaggle of uh, the cow- <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And this talk- is gonna come back like. You two already know that groups two, that two different people the think the Colts are the Cowboys. And Which that's is awesome because the yeah. Cowboys, like the Colts, are entirely unlikable. So I'm, I'm with them. <laughs> I'm with them on this in terms of as a franchise. That, by the way, was a whole gaggle of, I'm assuming, Bachelorette partygoers. Uh, but they're going to come back with some really funny ones. Baltimore. Baltimore Orioles. That's a real team. Close. Half, half Close. credit. Half this credit. one is the Red Stallions. Hack. When did stallions I, purr? Why did Pally want stallions purr? I have where, where, several where questions. Where did that come from? Yeah. I have several questions. I mean, it looks like a bird. That there's. N- I'll, so I'll admit this from some. So when I was very young, I mean, I say very young, like at the age of six, I knew who the Falcons were. I knew what their logo was, but it took me the longest time for me to actually look at it and realize, oh, it's not just a funny looking F. Um, but even if you think it's a funny looking F, wh- what part of this looks like a horse? I don't. That's, I don't that's my get that part. Yeah, I I don't know. But but the the bigger question is why do horses purr? Why is she growling or purring when she says the stallions are? What, you know, what is did that? Did you know the Falcons logo is in the shape of an F? As Logan I, points out, yes, I did. I didn't know it was a bird. <laughs> I, did, uh, I didn't okay. know it was yeah. a, I, until I really looked at it as as a child. I was like, oh, it's a, yeah. like I had an aha moment in first or second grade. <laughs> um. Clearly, she didn't look great. 49 to 69 No! My favorite one. 49ers. Look at her on the left here. She, she's, she's trying her best <laughs> right now. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I think they're... That's the Steelers, by the way. The 49ers, 69ers. Are. It's a Pirates. Um, from? from the islands of the Caribbean. Chester Cheeto. Chester Cheeto. Love that one. Tigers. North Carolina Tigers. She tried her best. You know, you know, she came back and she gave that one at least tracks. Yeah. You got I got the Carolina part. It's a big cat. It's a Panther. big cat. Yeah. Definitely not a tiger. Texas. That's the Cowboys. That's the Cowboys. Texas. Got that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cowboys, baby. Yeah. You're right. Atlanta. That, that's Florida. A- Florida Dolphins. Florida Dolphins. We got the, not, we got not the Oh, Texan, Texans? Texans. 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 Eagles. 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 Um. Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Bulls? Who? Patriots? That's a Patriots logo? No. Eh. Don't. I am. They, they, that it actually does not exist. Jaguars actually there, does there not you exist. Go. Yeah. So it's a it's a fantastic video and it sparked a lot of engagement on social media. Um, we've got I, I pulled a couple of these. The 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 not the Cowboys Colts changed their logo to not the cow or their their uh, Twitter handle to not the Cowboys, and then the Falcons changed theirs to I think just the Red Stallions. Yeah, they, somebody asked them to change to either the Atlanta Florida Dolphins or the Red Stallions, and they chose the Red Stallions on Twitter, which is hilarious. And the NFL, I, I saw the NFL account tweet at the Titans account. Look what you've done to our league. You've, you've changed all these names. Um, but I love I love that trend. It's it's hilarious. Um, and that's it in terms of schedule breakdown. 
I'm going to go through later on. I don't know if it'll be this week or next or, or what, not this week, but next or the next or whatever. At some point this summer, we'll go through. And one of my favorite things in the offseason to do is try to predict what's going to be the main storyline going into each of the games on this schedule. You know, it's easier early on. And then in the end, you're usually wrong, but you can still kind of be like, you know, week one, Derek Carr, how's he going to look against the Titans who are a, a there's more returning uh, p- players to that team in terms of impact players. The the Saints may have a higher ceiling than the Titans. We don't know, but early on in the season, how are they going to look? That kind of thing. So we'll break all of that down further. But that's those are, I think, all of my thoughts, generally speaking, on the Titans schedule for now. Let's get to a handful of Titans news topics before we get out of here on a Friday. Let's get to our Titans news segment with producer JT. Yeah, we're going to start off here with the Titans losing a, a really nice depth piece that they had last year. As Jeremy Fowler reported, the Seahawks are signing veteran defensive end Mario Edwards to a one-year deal. Um, Edwards is entering his ninth season, so he'll, he'll be with the Seahawks. And he had three sacks and seven starts for Tennessee last year. So was a really good role player down the stretch when they were very banged up last season. Um, yes. So tough loss for them. Also, one of the best dressed men I've ever seen in the NFL. He every single time we'd go into the locker room after a game, he was looking very fly, um, very fantastic fashion sense. Um, it's going to be sad for him to go for the Titans because he was a really nice rotational piece. Savvy veteran defensive lineman um, was, was a nice body to have in there uh, in in relief when they were losing a lot of folks to to triage and injury and, and nice to have in the rotation when they were at full strength as well. Not super surprising the Titans move on from him. They're, you know, there's kind of a youth movement right now. They're looking for young players. And he, what was the, did the number come out on that? I don't think so, um, but it I know it was, a, it, was but... a, it was a couple million dollars. And so the Titans choosing to save what little cap space they have right now for, you know, maybe they're still considering a wide receiver or, or another position of need. Um, they, they do need a couple of these new guys that they've gotten. It would be nice if they continue their tradition of having an undrafted free agent or two hit as a decent rotational piece because they've got nice, you know, their, their top end talent at the defensive line. You know, the duo of Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tart, I would put up against pretty much any other interior duo in the league, save like the commanders are the first that come to mind. They're a top three group for sure, in my opinion. Um, but beyond that, depth wise, tough a little bit. And with losing Mario Edwards, even further tough. Yeah, let's move on here to a week one AFC South matchup that will be um, the Anthony Richardson making his 13th ever uh, start, his first mm-hmm. NFL, his um, 13th start ever since leaving high school. And he will be against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, which not at only home. does at home, but not only will that be his 13th ever start, but it's really interesting that before I think week five and I'm looking at it right here, Hmm. the um, yeah. So before October, after October 15th, the Colts. So basically in his, in his one, two, three, four, five, in his first six NFL games, Anthony Richardson, if they decide, if they they decide to play him, will have played the Jaguars both times already, the Texans and the Titans. So he has four divisional games in his first so six the, ever for the NFL third consecutive games. year. The NFL is absolutely screwed over the Colts with, and to be fair, it's only screwing them over because the Colts can't stick with a quarterback for more than a year Correct. Um, in recent memory. But this is the third year where the perceived best team in the division, they have both times in the first, I know that two years ago, they had the Titans both times in the first seven weeks. And then last year they had the Titans both times in the first six weeks. 
And then this year they got the Jaguars both times in the first six weeks, as well as the Titans thrown in there once as well. That is yeah. that's tough. That's that's it bad. I will yeah. say we don't know for sure Richardson's going to start. And I do think it may become interesting whether they choose to roll him out because it, it there's two competing theories here, right? Either you are trying to be competitive as a team. And I think what they choose to do ultimately will tell us what they perceive themselves as. But if you want to be really competitive, there's an argument to be made that against the Jaguars, a divisional game that could end up meaning everything in the end of the season, you don't know. It, that could be the tiebreaker that makes or breaks your season. You've got Garner Minshew on the roster. You could choose to play him in the first week and let Richardson start in week two or three in an attempt to give yourself a, a better chance with an experienced NFL veteran like Minshew to uh, you pull the upset at home against the Jaguars. There's also the, the the point that you have to make, like Richardson's only had 12 starts since high school. He's only going to get better with experience. He desperately, more than anything else, just needs reps, live game reps. And the Colts aren't dummies. They've said this. They know this. They are going to be playing him, and this year is going to be him getting up to speed and just getting as many reps as possible. But is that going to come week one in his 13th ever start since high school against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence? I think it could be tempting for them to choose to go with Minshew uh, on a soft open. Um, but um, if they go with Richardson, maybe that's an indication that, yeah, we're not, we're not, that's not our main priority competing this year. Our main priority is to get Richardson up to speed so that we can compete further down the road. The last schedule tidbit we'll have here on this show today has mm -hmm. to do with no one in the AFC South, nothing to do with the Titans, but just how just the bad. worst schedule in the league. This actually. is the worst schedule in the league. So Easily. this has to do with the Giants who um, their schedule was leaked with seven road games in the first nine weeks of the season, including two trips to the West Coast and one to Miami. So seven road games in the first 10 weeks, as Warren Sharp pointed out, it would be the first time since at least 1990, the, the NFL gave a team seven road games in the first 10 weeks. Yeah. So let's, uh, I, I want to, you have the schedule pulled up. I do. So uh, we read off those first. So not, in week nine or two, 10 games. in week two, they are at Arizona. They'll stay We're, out West. Just, um, I want to, I want to know all of them. Home oh, and away. Yeah, just read me, the first nine real quick. Just give me uh, a at and away. If you don't mind. Um, yeah. And so if you need to pull that up, I can. I'm I can doing it right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. So week one, they play the Cowboys okay. um, at home. Week two, they're going at uh, at Arizona. So they're going out west. Mm -hmm. They'll stay out west to play the 49ers the next week. Mm. Week four, they'll be at home against the Seahawks. Week five, they go down to Miami to play the Dolphins. <laughs> Week six, they go up the road to Buffalo. Week seven, they travel down to play the Commanders. Week eight is a home game, but it doesn't. It's not really a home game the because they're playing. They're, they're playing the Jets, so it's not like it really matters. No it's a home game right. for both. Uh, week nine, they're back out west playing Las Vegas, and then week ten, they travel to Dallas. Unbelievably unlucky. Yeah. Um, that I mean, and half unlucky, half just the NFL schedule makers. They saw this and they're like, "We don't care." You yeah. know what? Brian Dable, Danny Dimes. They they saw how much money that franchise decided to give young Daniel Dimes, and they decided to just strike them down from above like God. Uh, <laughs> which I, you know, there's there's some there's some merit to that, I suppose. But that is, if I'm the Mara family, the owners of the Giants, I'm furious. They've got a lot of sway in in NFL circles. I'm sure they're going to be just fine with that and they won't they won't cause a fuss at all. 
Uh, let's talk about some of the rookie signings ahead yeah. of rookie minicamp. Last thing, last thing we'll get to here is uh, rookie signings and rookie minicamp coming up this weekend here. Uh, some of the rookie signings from the draft picks that the Titans made. The Titans have agreed to terms with tight end Josh Wiley, offensive lineman Jalen Duncan, and wide receiver Colton Dowell. So the day three selections are locked in for the Titans now. Um, mm-hmm. And then we have a lot of uh, UDFA um signings that the Titans made here. So the Titans uh, for rookie minicamp and whatnot are bringing in a couple of uh, guys. So we have uh, defensive tackle Shaquille Brown from Troy wide receiver, Jacob Copeland from Maryland, who was a guy we saw at the combine eye, a little bit eye on him. Yep. Um, wide receiver, Trayshawn Harrison from Oregon state safety, Matthew Jackson from Eastern Kentucky cornerback, Stephen Jones from Appalachian state. Safety Ty, uh, Tyreek Jones from Boise State, who was another guy that we saw at the Combine. Cornerback mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Kendall from Baldwin Wallace. Uh, running back Chuck McClelland from Cincinnati. Defensive end TK McLendon from Eastern Kentucky. Offensive or outside linebacker TK, or sorry, offensive outside linebacker we go. Caleb Murphy, Caleb Murphy. from Ferris State. <laughs> great, great job. Uh-huh. Um, Tackle John Ojukwu from mm-hmm. Boise State, another guy, another guy that we we saw at the uh, combine and Freaky was athlete. pretty impressive with us. Um, linebacker Otis Reese from Mississippi, outside linebacker Thomas Rush from Minnesota, and then kicker Trey Wolf from Texas Tech. Which we had a couple people uh, reach out to us and were like, "Don't sleep on, uh, don't sleep on this guy." Yeah, I missed this, and I'm not sure why I'm surprised why I missed it because I. I after the draft ended and all this craziness happened on that Sunday afternoon, I just kind of passed out and took a nap and was not paying attention to this. But JT, I don't know if you've looked up the numbers on Trey Wolf at Texas tech. His stats are like, you know, eh, but when you go from college to NFL kickers, it's weird. They tend to, it doesn't really matter their record in college all that much. Yeah. Logan points out he's six, four, two, ten. The dude's like, he's a big boy. He's like a linebacker. He's a place kicker like this, this dude and Ryan Stonehouse, Easily, if you're just doing a if you're doing a Thunderdome of punter kicker combos in the NFL, I don't know this for sure, but I'm almost positive that they have to be the heavy, heavy, heavy betting favorites because those two dudes are huge for punters and kickers. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't. On that? No, I, I mean, yeah, he's he's a guy that I'll have to see, and it'll be. It sounds like it's going to be him and Caleb Caleb Shudak, Shudak. Um, yeah, battling it out this offseason. Um, yeah, unless they the want one, to bring in one of these guys who's still there. There is veteran help in the free agent market. But there is. It there sounds is. like they want to get younger and find their kicker that they can uh, feel confident in for the next three or four years. JT, there was one undrafted free agent of note that was not on this list that was sent to me by the Titans this morning, and that's Georgia wide receiver Kiaris Jackson, uh, you know, national championship winner twice over. He was a guy that was announced to be on the Titans list of undrafted free agents. And it was reported by Tom Pelissero a couple of weeks ago that he is uh, a guy that the Titans had reached terms with already. Apparently not. Um, I don't know that that report was a miss. That was that was incorrect or maybe things fell through and it was never updated. But um, I'm curious whether or not he'll actually be there um, this this weekend tomorrow when, when we're there. I don't think that he will be based on this but maybe he will the thing is if you don't have a contract 
these guys don't want to practice without liability, you know, without liability insurance, without having some kind of guarantee that they're going to be paid for and, and get their compensation for any potential injuries they suffer at a practice that doesn't usually yield a massive problem. But we've seen on occasion, people have career altering injuries at even something as small as a rookie minicamp. So um, I'm not sure we'll, we'll see Kyrus Jackson there. And that's a, that's a bummer because he was one of the receivers that was going to be catching people's eyes. I think let's talk very briefly about rookie minicamp JT, and then we can get out of here. Um, I, like I said, I'll be there tomorrow. It's tomorrow, uh, Saturday around noon. We're going to get to speak to a couple of rookies, according to Titans PR. Um, they, they haven't said who, but I'm almost positive. It'll be Peter Skaronsky and somebody else just because based on his media availability so far, he's fantastic at the microphone. He's incredibly safe at the microphone. He's somebody that I'm sure the Titans team looks at and is like, yeah, we trust this guy to just not say anything dumb or do anything dumb with the mic. He'll be boring. And then he'll get out of there, um, which is exactly what they love. The other guy could be Tajay Spears. It's kind of what I'm guessing it will be since we haven't really heard a ton from him. And he's one of the guys probably most likely to be flashy and look exciting at, at the mini camp. But I think it might be a little telling a little bit if they let Will Levis be the other guy that, that speaks that may indicate that they are wanting to give him some more, you know, more of a platform, more of a leadership role. It could also indicate that they're just, listen, we just, we, you know, we have questions about this guy on the field, but off the field, uh, in front of the microphone at the podium with reporters, we trust this guy. We think he's a consummate pro. And I think that he is one of those guys where you put him out there and his his personality will will show he will be a, a, a good interview and a safe interview for the Titans and, and not do anything stupid. So um, I'm curious to see who exactly they have uh, available for us to talk to. The one thing people ask is like, well, JT, what is there really we can learn from rookie minicamp? And the answer is not a ton. Like it, it, it is foolish to take away too much from rookie minicamp. What it does allow for is when these guys are playing in college, folks in the media, we don't really get a ton of chances to see them in practice, get see them up close. You know, you see them at games if you're there in person, but up close in person, just getting a feel for their movement ability, their size, their speed, their strength. That's something there's there's an intangible element of those tangible factors that you can't access. You can't really have perspective on unless you get to see it in person. And a big part of it is comparison, right? Like you you've got guys that may have been the you know, they may hold the FCS record for tackles in a single season and have looked like a man amongst boys on tape. But that was at the FCS Division two level. Let's see him against guys. Uh, you know, guys, kids, their own size, right? Let's see them against the guys that they're actually gonna have to go up against in the NFL. That's a part of it. And then also, you know, with a guy like Kyle Phillips last year, for example, we knew his footwork was one of the things on the top of his scouting report. This is a thing that we have to um, take into account with this guy. That's where his, his bread is buttered, but you really didn't get a feel for that until I remember that first rookie mini camp, a lot of the clips coming out about like, look at this guy compared to the other receivers on the team. He is truly head and shoulders as a footwork technician, as a route running technician, um, head and shoulders above the competition. That kind of thing shows through. I think another thing that is going to be, and Braden Gall mentioned this yesterday on his show, one of the things I'm almost positive will be a big takeaway is Will Levis is huge. Like, and we know this, he's like 6'4", 235, 240 or something like that off the top of my head. But there was a picture a couple of days ago, maybe a week or two ago, the Titans PR put up on Instagram of Will Levis, Josh Wiley, Tajay Spears, 
and Colton Dowell, four of the Titans drafted rookies at Top Golf together, just getting to know each other. They're all standing next to each other. And Colton Dowell, who who is, I think, 6'3, 215 or something, standing next to Will Levis and Josh Wiley. You're like, whoa, they make him look kind of small. These two cats are big fellas. Josh Wiley and Will Levis look the part at the very least. And so I think that's going to be another big takeaway. Um, but I'm excited and we'll be talking about that on Monday. So that's our transition here to get on out of here. Appreciate you guys spending maybe your lunch break or just the midday on Friday with us. We'll be back on Monday next week. I'll be breaking down anything and everything that we learned, that we saw, that we took away from rookie minicamp this weekend. And then very special episode on Tuesday, maybe the Wednesday episode. I'm not positive yet if we're going to do this live or recorded yet. So it's either Tuesday or Wednesday, but we got confirmation from a guy we've been hinting at for a couple of shows in a row. Now, Danny Kelly at the ringer draft analyst. Um, he's, he's on the NFL draft show on the ringer podcast network. He's on the NFL fantasy football show. He does one of the top five national draft guides every year that is highly regarded. He's a stud. He's awesome. He's hilarious. You're going to love him. He's the, he's the guest on the show that I'm most looking forward to out of all the guests we've ever had. So I can't wait for him to stop by with us. And we're going to do a little bit of a recap of the draft and the Titans draft class and just chop it up and, and have a conversation about football, which who knows where it's going to go. I can guarantee it's going to be a good time. So make sure to tune into those two shows next week, early on next week. And until then for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Fries. This has been the hot read podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody.